Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Good to see you. Good looking crowd. None of you look heavier. You all look skinnier after Thanksgiving. So good job. Good job. As uh, I saw a reel, an in-house reel, uh, Ashley, actually, actually, Ashley Pate, she is our communications and uh, campus life uh, director. And so she made a post. She says, hey, I just want to remind you Thanksgiving is coming, so be sure and turn your, your scale 10 pounds back. <laughs> I did it, and I didn't gain a pound, so it worked out really well. <laughs> Success. I love good advice. Uh, we're full of good wisdom. Hey, uh, we are in our uh, new series. We, we finished this disciple, leaning the, the, the series last, last uh, I want to say semester, but last series. And now we've moved into another, a new series, and uh, it's, it's kind of building off the previous, and they tend to do that, but we're talking about hearing God. I think there's a lot of uh, questions around hearing God, and there's a lot of actually controversy around hearing God, and there's a lot of doubt and fear, anxiety, worry, whatever it is, there's a lot of just distraction around hearing God. And so I want you to know that you can hear God, and He does still speak. I want you to also know that the third verse of the Bible says, and God said, and I also want you to know that the last book of the Bible is basically a love letter, a rescue mission love letter to us called Revelation. So this is really good. And Revelation is usually hearing from God. So you got to know, at least begin to entertain the idea that maybe, just maybe, it could be possible that I can hear from God. And even more so, that he may even want to speak to me. And I can almost assure you, if you'll just start with a door open that much, he'll surprise you. And it'll be great things, by the way. It'll be great things. And I want to, I want to start because, uh, with John 10, because I think John does a great job of documenting what Jesus said so that we understand Jesus as the Word. Uh, and so let me just start there and jump right into it. John 10, 3 and 5 says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So if you can picture a shepherd going out in front, and a flock, a large group of sheep, are following the shepherd. Here's why this is pretty powerful to the original audience in which Jesus was speaking it to. And after I explain, I think it'll be powerful to you and it'll help set the platform for this series. So if you can picture multiple shepherds at a four-way stop, but there's no stop sign. And so here they are merging into and through one another as the shepherd is leading, each shepherd is leading their sheep through the chaos of the, the groups, the flocks. So there's mass chaos. There's a lot of sheep going different directions. And yet as long as the shepherd, each shepherd is calling out with the voice in which they use to the sheep when they're spending time with the sheep, those sheep know exactly which shepherd is their shepherd and which shepherd to follow. Does this make sense? And they follow this shepherd because they have spent time in this shepherd's presence. They have come to know the provision that the shepherd provides, and meaning green pastures, and also the protection that this shepherd provides. 
And so they trust the shepherd because of the experience and the time spent with the shepherd. So as shepherds merge and they cross, as long as that shepherd is calling out and the sheep can hear the voice, they follow the voice that is familiar with them. We continue in John 10, 3 and 5. It says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And listen to me, because it could be that God's voice is strange to you. Because God's voice has been turned down in your life, and the world's voice has been turned up. And so when God speaks, it's strange, it's uncomfortable, and in fact, it may lead you to do something, desire to lead you to do something that your soul or your flesh doesn't want. And so we run from God's voice because the world has been shepherding us way too long. And we are in the holiday season, and I know stress is high. <laughs> Tensions start to acclimate when family gets together and friends get together and, you know, the holidays and the busyness and, and all the expectation and all the unmet expectations and everything that, you know, of the sorts. But wouldn't it be great if there was a way to have a better Christmas, a a more relational Christmas, an emotionally healthy Christmas, one that was like there's no tension in the room or even felt in going into the presence of other friends and family members. And what if I could say there can be, if you'll just pause, listen to the Lord, learn to discern His voice, and then just walk accordingly. Wouldn't that be good? And so Proverbs 3 and 6 says this, listen for God's voice at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, on Black Friday, <laughs> on Cyber Monday. And, and when you have all that tension built up inside of you and then you go to your work week and you get that text from that employee or from that boss or from that whoever or that email, pray. Before responding, <laughs> I'll tell you, all of a sudden, all the frustrations from the, the family holiday is unloaded on poor little Johnny, who just needed a day off, or whatever. But what if we pause, hear from the Lord, and then do accordingly? That might help. In everything that you do, listen for God's voice. Everywhere you go... He's the one who will keep you on track. Like, I tend to veer off track, but because I listen to the voice of the Lord, He like fine-tunes me and like, yep, I was going to go that way, but I need to go this way. I was going to say this. I was going to text this. I was going to rant on this. I was going to say so-and-so who cut me off in Walmart because they had 300 items in their basket in a 20-item or less lane. Can't you see me here? You know what I mean. Or... This frustrates me when I'm in my truck, it's a diesel, and there's only two tanks, and this little Prius or something pulls up to the tank with the gas and the diesel, and like, really? Like, you got eight other tanks or gas fuel, fuel, right? So you know what I'm saying? Pray first. Bless you, brother. Bless you. Go ahead in Jesus' name. 
But there is a way to stay on track because we will veer away. So we have to learn to discern the shepherd, the great shepherd's voice. All right, let's talk about preparing to hear because there's a, pra- there's a practice that has to be implemented when we're going to hear God's voice. And first, we have to learn how to prepare to hear. So God doesn't have a speaking problem as much as we have a hearing problem. Like he's always speaking. It's just I'm not so sure I want to hear what he has to say right now. He's not aligning with my flesh. Um, there's some things that are passionate within me right now in this moment that I really want to exercise out into this world or my life or on so-and-so, and I'm not so sure I want to give God space to speak into that right now. We have a hearing problem. Um, I have a better way of handling this problem or I have a better solution. I think I will handle it on my own rather than pause and listen to God and see what his word has to say or his voice has to say. We have a hearing problem. And so it's like I have children and I can yell at them, talk to them, tell them whatever it is that is a great solution, but instead they choose to go on their, their own way. It's not that they can't hear me. They just have a hearing problem. And so Luke 8, 5, and 8, Jesus is breaking down this parable. He starts with the parable to his disciples, and this is what God wants to do by way of the Holy Spirit. He wants to be invited in that time where you're opening up your Bible or you're in a situation, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and he sits down with you, and he begins to explain the Word, or he begins to explain ways of living, or he begins to explain a better way to keep you on track. And so in, in uh, Luke 8, Jesus is breaking down a story that the people would again understand with truth, with meaning behind it. And so he says this in verse 5, he says, uh, first, I'm oh, sorry, Luke 8, 8, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And if you will teach yourself to pay attention, because you do have ears, I do imagine and I do believe that you will learn to hear. But it's a tuning in and paying attention and learn, learning to turn your attention to his voice. So in Luke 8, before the 8, 5, before this, Jesus is telling this parable, and he says it like this. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Now, you notice it fell along the path. It became beaten. It became downtrodden. Um, it became pressed into the soil. It became hardened. It became blended. Now, the second soil, some fell on rocky, rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. There was rocks on the ground, multiple rocks. So there were competing things with this seed. And there was no moisture. It was all dried. It was... There was nothing to really cause the growth. Then there's another soil. This is the third soil. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. So there were something else. There was something else that was just smothering it. Like, grew up around it, sucking all the water and the moisture out from around this this seed and and literally grew up into it and over it and just, just choked it. You ever seen how that just happens? Like, I planted this pretty little flower, and, and I left, and I kept, kept some water around it, but all the weeds start to grow up around it, and, so, and all of a sudden, the weeds are thriving, and the plant is choked out 
and dead. That's what he's saying. And then, still another seed fell on good soil. And this is the soil, this is, the, this is our focus for today. And really through the rest of this series. Is the good soil. And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Now that's the kind of investment I'm looking for. Like, I'm going to give you a ten, and I'm waiting for the hundred. I'm going to give you a hundred, I'm waiting for the ten thousand. Like, I want, I'm sorry, a ten, I'm giving it that one, I need a thousand. So, that's a good investment. I'm looking for investments, and if anybody finds any, let's do some tenfold investing. This is, this is great news. And this is what God is saying about those of us who become good soil. Can I tell you how God actually gives us a literal example that's also very prophetic? Israel in itself is a desert. However, you go there, it looks like a very lush garden. And in fact, Israel is one of the top producers for all of the world and vegetation and fruit. That's amazing. And not only that, Israel is one of the smallest nations in the world. This is how God's favor will shine and on your life. And if good soil is there, will yield a hundred times more than was sown. It's a perfect example. When he said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. And that's what we want to do. And many so ignorantly reduce this to say, well, the only way God speaks is through his Bible. Can I just tell you, uh, the Bible did not, did not exist when Jesus was saying this. In fact, Jesus was living what would be documented to become the, the Bible. So when he says this, he was not referring to one day there will be a Bible, and whenever that comes to, to happen, then that will be my word that then you can listen to. No, he's saying the voice of the shepherd, the voice of God, you listen to him and do accordingly, you will turn into good soil, and the word, which is the seed, will begin to, when it's planted, will produce, will produce a hundredfold. Now we want... The ten for the, the thousand for a ten, right? Would you give him your life for a hundredfold in, uh, return? That's what we're going for. That's what we're going for. And so, but he speaks to us directly. Yes, the word, the written word, the Bible is his logos. That's his written word. Yes, it's documented. Yes, the Holy Spirit inspired it through other writers and to document what God is saying to us. Yes, all those things. However, God also wants to speak to you directly. He wants to speak to you personally. He can speak to all of us at the same time about uniquely different things according to our personal lives. If you don't know that yet, you will find out that. Because he's God. He can do the unthinkable. He can do the things that you can't imagine. This is why he can turn one into 100. Luke 8, there's four scenarios in Luke 8, and... In reality, all of us are one of them, and all of us have been some of the first three at one point, and hopefully we're all striving and surrendering to become the fourth soil. And so again, we've got to understand the problem is not a speaking God. The problem is on the side of the hearer. In Luke 8, 12, it says, Those along the path of, are the ones who hear, and the devil comes, and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So you can see, he, when he's talking about the birds, remember the birds are actually 
referring to the devil. And he comes and takes away the word. The seed is the word. The word is the seed. So there we are. You get a good word, and man, I'm challenged by it. It's kind of a stimula- stimulating, a little exciting. You're like, okay, yeah, that's good. I should do that because that would help my life. And then all of a sudden, Satan comes in, and he starts to peck at it, starts to take it, starts to distort it, breaks it down, turns it into something it never was, and now you have a deluded, polluted version of what God said, and you own it. If you take it and own it, you've actually got confusion now. And now, when I try to apply it, I've got nothing firm, it doesn't work, and now I'm mad at God because I've been distorted by Satan. Soil one is the polluted heart. The polluted heart. So God is trying to speak, but we have junk in our heart. It's all polluted, it's distorted, and when, when something happens, it's confused because it's got all this trash and chaos already in my heart. It's, not, it's less about the situation and the scenario, and it's more about what's in my heart that God is trying to clean up. And for you and me, the enemy works day and night to put things in our heart, and to try to pollute our heart so that he can confuse us and cause chaos, so he can cause problems, so he can keep us from hearing the voice of God. It's a constant work. It's a constant work. He's just trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. This is our our practice is to lean in to the voice of God, to hear acutely, to be, then begin to compare it with the written word of God and say, yep, that aligns. That's not the devil. Let me go after it. And we all sin, but some of us have a long trail of unrepented sin. And, and, and we have to understand that this is, the part, this is the corruption, the chaos, and the confusion, and the distortion, and the, the, the pollution that gets in our hearts, it's unrepented of sin. We agree. It's, we can't say that, man, the devil made me do it. You ever heard that? The devil made me do it. The de- no, no, he didn't. He gave you an option, and you decided to take it. You chose it. And so, really, this is one that you do to yourself. Like, you agree with it, or you commit that sin, and instead of being, repenting for it and asking for forgiveness, you just got this long trail of sin. The bread marks and the waypoints for your way back to, where you, to God are, are sin points. And they've been left there, and the distance between you and God is because of a lack of repentance. Clear? All right. But we all sin. So there's some sin that you haven't confessed to God and asked for forgiveness. There's some sin that is just left there and still it's polluting and it's, and it's sitting there filtering negatively the voice of God and the actions of God and the things that God is asking you to do. And really, all you need to do is just clean up the communication line. Like some of us are like, no, if I go and confess and I repent, then God's going to know I did it. Like he knows you did it. He wants you to come and confess so that he can clean you up from the junk that you did. He's constantly trying to wash your feet, and you're constantly like, nope, I'm going to hide my feet in the dirt and my little corns and all the stuff under my toenails. Like, he knows. Just reveal it and say, yes, could you get that other one? Give me a little petty over there. Like, he wants to clean you up. It's his desire to clean you up. And so we end up carrying around shame and guilt, but you're no different from anyone else in the room. There's no person that's not a sinner or has sinned or is living in some sort of little sin, whatever it is. The problem, the, the, the difference is, You learn to repent from it. You learn your humanity. You learn your 
flesh. You learn of your soul and you learn of your desire to be more yielded to God and that only comes through a desire to please through repentance and seeking forgiveness and learning to obey His voice. That's the only difference. Can we just unmask this thing a little bit and be honest? And so when, you, when, it's, when it's still in your heart, it's influencing you and polluting your heart and your ability to hear God clearly because it's still distorted by some of the influence of the devil. And so when you try to act upon it, you're really not confident, you're not bold, you're not able to courageously do what God is saying because there's still a little bit of pollution inside of the heart. Then there's a second part that you, did, you didn't do to yourself. In fact, this is the one where in a relationship or relationships, the devil comes in, he begins to twist things and distort things and confuse things, and now he's got a distort, you know, as we say, they, 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 somebody done teed you off, right? But really, the, Satan has come in and he's distorted things and polluted things in both people's hearts so that both, per, both persons or people can no longer hear his voice clearly. This is the plan. And the problem is, is not really between you and that person. It was the devil's attempt to get between you and that person. To destroy a relationship. And you, ever, you ever had so much internal conversation about somebody that's not even in your life anymore, but there's unresolved conflict? Like it sucks life out of you. It drains your emotions. And in fact, you can't even live out in the normal day, the present day, real time, in the fullness of who God's created you to be because you're still weighed down you're still in conflict with people from your past. Any, anybody? Nobody but me. I've had that re- happen recently with um, a brother, you know, how that happens. And, and I finally said, you know what, I'm tired of this internal dialogue and trying to figure out what, what happened and when and how it went down. And so I called him up. I said, hey, man, can we have lunch? Yeah, brother. Let's do it. And so we sat down. We had lunch. We, 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 we thanked each other and gave all the pleasantries, you know, that you do, right? And then we started thanking each other for things that we've done in each other's lives and all the, all the fun, fun stuff. And then I said, I just got down to it. I said, hey, I know we're about to leave, but I, I heard about this and I heard this and I heard that. And I said, the well, next time that you think that I said something or did something, would you pick up the phone and call me? And I'm going to do the same. And what we realized was there's really just a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of confusion. And a lot of times, it's a lot of the sheep that are causing conflict to try to destroy the church because the sheep don't realize they have a polluted heart. And if the shepherd's not wise, he'll allow the pollution into his heart. And so we ironed that thing out, and I, I'm kind of known to being a sharpshooter. You know, I'm like, you're a sharpshooter. Nobody's going to know, wonder what I'm thinking when I'm around them. I, I give it to you straight. And that's good. But we line those things out and move on. And so, but most of the time, there's some sort of misunderstanding or confusion that the devil has thrown into the mix to pollute and distort both parties involved. Next soil is this, Luke 8, 13. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message by joy, with joy. Hallelujah. Woo, that was a good word. But like young plants in the soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while, but, when they, but they wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. Oh, that's a good word. I like that. I'm going to, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to put that into action. And then it gets hard. I'm like, oh, nope, I'm going back to my old ways. <laughs> Nobody in here does that. <laughs> but that's, that's good. also because things come in and compete. 
Like it starts to compete with the word. Like, man, that was a good word. Man, I need to do that. I mean, like, how am I going to do that? I don't know if it's going to do that. And you walk out that second set of double doors, and all of a sudden, a breeze comes over from Cotton Patch, and all you can think about, hmm, I need to butter some biscuits over there at Cotton Patch. Like, the word is left behind, and all you can think about is manna of Cotton Patch. Or you're just distracted because now how am I going to do that? And then you start getting weighed down, and then Satan comes in, and he starts making God's word heavy on you. And God's word actually makes things light. His yoke is easy and his burdens are light. And the very thing that God puts on your heart while you're in here or in your devotion time or you're just driving down the road and you've learned to discern the voice of God, he makes it light. But in our minds, Satan immediately tries to come in and say, oh, that's going to be heavy. That's going to be hard on you. You're going to have to really sacrifice. You're going to have to give up a lot. Oh, you're going to have to take a season and really do, be diligent. And you're going to oh. And you start to get paralyzed under it. And Satan completely distracts you. That's what this one is. Number two, the distracted heart distracts you from doing the very will of God. And it's not always bad things. Like sometimes it's good things like, or great things. Like you have great, so many great things happening in your life. Man, there's great stuff happening. Like every, tor- every t- place I turn is like, Man, this is great. This is fun. This is awesome. I love it. I'm living the flow. But I'm too busy to spend time with God. I'm too busy to be in His presence and hear His voice and see what He has for me for vision, for my family, or for you fill in the blank to move forward. Everything's so great, but I'm distracted by even the good things. You know, one of the good things that that distracts me the most is this. This little thing is great. Like I can do more work. I can do it more effectively. I can do it more efficiently. I can actually do. And I, the problem is I can keep on doing and I can keep on doing. And I can, if I just plug it in, it never stops. Like I, I can literally go till 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 Like my brain has to shut down before I could stop. And that's the problem. I got great ideas and there's great things happening. And I can do this and I can do that. Yes. But you end up following away from the, following the Lord. Here's the other part. It, it's a deception because, oh, I'm connected. I'm connected. No. You make you feel like you're connected to other people because you may have social media and there may be some kind of interaction or a liking or a message or a real scent or whatever the case may be. But it's not really connection. Like, I, I need to be in your presence. You need, I need you, we need each other's presence. You know, I can learn more about people and get more comfortable with people in trust by just being in the same room with them and nobody saying a word. We get comfortable together. We start to learn each other's little innuendos and, and little uh, intri- intri- intrinsic ways of doing things and mannerisms. and Like, you just get comfortable with that person. That's connected. But this great thing can be very distracting and deceive me. And Satan can use it to say, oh, you've got all those relationships. But I don't, I don't have those relationships. i got a false version of those relationships. And let me just tell you, Satan is always trying to give you a counterfeit version of what God's best is for you. In Luke 10, 39 through 40 in the Amplified, Amplified Version, it says, And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. 
overly distracted and too busy was distracted with serving. Listen, serving becomes a distraction. Serving the Lord even becomes a distraction when you put it over just being in the presence of the Lord. Serving the Lord should always come from a place of having been in the presence of the Lord. You, people know that you've been in the presence of the Lord when you come in and you're smiling and you're just joy. Oh, even in the presence of the Lord. But when you come in and you got that mean mug on and you're frustrated, like, oh, maybe you should go get in the presence of the Lord. Because <laughs> that'll change all that face thing you got going on there. We used to say around, when we first started the church, everybody was taxed and exhausted. He's like, check your face. Pre-service. That, what was your pre-service meeting like? Check your face. Everybody's tired and exhausted because few people are doing everything. Check your face. But you don't have to worry about that if you just go spend time with God. He changes your heart, and your heart begins to glow. Your face begins to glow from the glow in your heart, and you're just an overflow. That's when serving is no longer a distraction. The third type of soil is this. Luke 8, 14 says, this, Then the seed that fell on among weeds stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they don't mature. Nobody, surely nobody is here in this church today, choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. No, could never be more important than God's presence and his voice, right? You ever tried to grow a weed, by the way? Not weed. (laughs) I used to do that for a living, and it was really hard. It does get expensive, especially when it's hydroponic. It's a different game. But I'm talking about growing weed. A weed. Like, nobody tries to grow a weed. Like, I got weeds in, we got weeds in our yard out there. Nobody's trying to grow those. In fact, you're trying to kill those. There's weeds in your yard. There's weeds in your garden. And you're like, man, I just tended this garden, and it's already got weeds in it. But you tended it a month ago. And time has passed, and you've been busy, and you've been distracted. And, and because of all that, we have weeds in our soul, the garden of our life. And it really mean, leaves us to having an immature heart, all choked out. I don't know how to seek God over those worries, those riches, and those pleasures. I haven't learned to find pleasure in God. I haven't learned that He is my riches. I haven't learned that he handles all of my worries, and so I stay immature, not having experience, but only exposure with Jesus Christ. And it's that mindset that says, I'm good with just showing up at church. I'm going to sit there, and you can give me a good speech, and I may give you an attaboy or something like that, but I'm going to go home. It's just too hard. It sounds too hard to do those things like serving and spending time with God to hear his voice, even though it will give me a hundredfold. Like, it sounds tough. It's out of my control. Exactly. And I've got, I, I have different types of conversations with different people and different maturity levels. I have some conversations with my wife, and we're talking about finances, and we're talking about our kids and vision for the future. We're talking about the church, and she's always talking about vacations. And so, the pleasures, right? The vacations, and 
And then I've got people I talk about business with, entrepreneurship. Um, I talk about ministry life inside the church with some other people. I talk about ministry life outside of the church with other people. Some people I talk with business and ministry. And some people, I've got two little kids. One is seven and one is four. My girl is seven. And I'm, I'm learning her little personality growth and her maturing and what she's doing with math and how she's learning how to just read well. And all these little, like, body movement languages and facial features and the responses. And I love that at a, as a dad that I get to see those growth moments and those maturing moments. And also have that in my four-year-old son. And I'm watching him, and he's got all this personality and character. And, you know, we took pictures the other day, and he stood there like this for about 20 minutes just waiting. He's just, he's like, this dude has got it. He is a stud. But his little maturing moments, and I'm giving him questions and having, watching him think about things, and then he's learning math, and he doesn't even realize he's learning it. And I'm watching him mature, and as I watch these things, I'm leaning in. You ever talk to somebody like, I don't know how much mature of a conversation I can have with this person. I'm going to test that. And then all of a sudden, oh, we can have a more mature conversation. I'm doing that with him, and, and I lean in even more because I see, oh, he's ready to go to that next level, so let me do some things that helps lead him into his maturity level, his maturity capacity, his maturity potential at this age, right? Can I tell you that I'm not the author and creator of that, but God is? And he's looking for children who are willing to lean in and listen and take those little challenges and those moments and, and go through those experiences and see his glory, to God's glory, and listen to him and apply those things that he's saying in the secret place, in the dark space, when nobody else is around. And in fact, when people say naysaying things and they say it won't happen or they're contradicting it, they do it anyway and God shows up for them. He leans in even more. Way better than your response, but okay, I'm not looking for your response. <laughs> Maturity comes when we stop making excuses and start making changes. Oh, something's going to have to give. Yes, it is. And, and the noun of the Bible is love, but the verb is give. As you mature, you'll learn that. Luke 8, 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble heart, noble and good heart, who, were, who hear the word, retain it, and by doing this amazing thing called persevering. Those are the ones. That's where I get a thousand for ten produce a crop. The difference between this person, the difference between the person who receives this and doesn't, this one person gives up along the way trying things for a little while and then says, well, maybe it won't work out and you never produce a crop. In fact, because you don't persevere, you'll never find out if it would have worked out. And part of it working out is God working some things in you so that thing can actually work out. But it takes a persevering. And this is called the prepared heart. And this is a word from God to get you ready for this series because I guarantee you as you just prepare your heart in application and getting ready for the next three messages that God will not only, you'll find that God has not only been speaking to you but you'll find that he is speaking to you more accurately, more clearly, 
you'll find out that you're discerning his voice, but you'll find yourself in a tension. A T-E-N-S-I-O-N. That tension is, I'm hearing, but will I believe and obey? And then there's this other, if you, if you know you've been hearing God, and you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I casually hear God, but if you'll take this seriously and allow the preparations to take you a little bit further, not only will you hear God more clearly, more, more accurately, but you'll also start to hear his divine guidance for your life and your family's life and your finances and every area that he has called you into because he'll realize that this won't fall on deaf ears. It's a simple, simple, like I said, there's sin that, t- that, distract, that pollutes us and all you gotta do is repent. It's the same right here. I need to just start this whole journey of preparation, even if I think I'm sinless. How about we just do it anyway, right? Just ask the Holy Spirit, and you'll begin to hear his voice very uh, accurately. Oh, yeah, I do have that sin. No shame. No guilt. Number one, just start to repent. Just repent. Lord, I repent. Yes, I did this. I did that. I kept that extra $10 when that Brookshire's cashier gave it to me by accident, and I should have turned it back in. Lord, I can't, you're right, I can't, I can't earn the trust of my kids or my friends or my coworkers by lying. That might help somebody. And then refocus. Don't sweat, just, just start seeking intimacy. If you need to learn how to do that, go back two weeks into our previous series. Go listen to that. But start to read his word, start to study his word, start to write down, start to listen to his word in your car, start to meditate on his word and what is it saying, how does that work inside of me, and then also take the time to journal the thoughts that you have around it, and then start to journal what you feel like he is saying. Intimacy. Refocus. And then lastly, revive. Go back. Revive. Just ask him, Lord, revive me. Revive what was lost or has never been. Just start to awaken some stuff inside of me, Lord. You'll do it with all seriousness. He'll start to show you some things and start to speak to you about some things. He'll start to lead you towards some things. He'll start to open some doors that no man can shut. And he'll start to close some doors that no man can open. Hallelujah to that, because I need some divine guidance. I need a shepherd that's going to lead me and keep me straight along the path, his good, pleasing, and perfect will path. And it's that easy. Just start preparing. Maybe you have to do this every day. Great. You're sitting there putting compost in the clay. You're breaking it down. You're breaking it down. You're breaking it down. You're getting that heart ready for some good seed, for, for some seed. You're turning it into good soil. I'm saying, I want that hundredfold, I want the hundredfold, I want that hundredfold, I want that hundredfold, and I'm just going to prepare my heart. I'm just going to prepare my heart. 2 Corinthians 7 says this, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us both within us. You've got to lay your eyes on some other things than what you've been laying it on to get there. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship. And I can tell you there's nothing more valuable than hearing the voice of God 
and following the voice of God, having believed the voice of God. My greatest moments, my biggest moments come when I'm listening, believing, and obeying. And because I do that, because I also spend time with him in the mornings and on, my, on the road and I'm talking and discussing, I can hear more clearly. Like it gets uncomfortable when I'm veering away from his path. When I feel like I'm veering from his voice, my heart gets tight, it gets tense, it gets a little bit discontent. The, the greatest things that have happened in my life, the, the yet to be, I think we're still in the 30 and 60 fold for my life so far, the 100 fold part is to come, comes from just hearing God. In fact, I hold my own heart and my ego and my pride in contempt. I have internal dialogue that says, why do you want to do that? Is that really what God is saying? And I don't say it in a critiquing way. I say it in a challenging me, my flesh, and my soul. Because I'm still a little fleshly. I'm still a little soulish. I still have my ambitions. And I'm looking for the desires that God's put in my heart. And I've got to filter some stuff. When you go from glory to glory and, and grace to grace, you've got to filter through some old stuff. Because God's voice is clearest in a prepared environment. I was driving down the road the other day, just the other two, two or three days ago, and the Lord put something on my heart, and, and, and within me, I'm like, oh, I'm too tired to do that. It's going to cost a lot. It's going to take a lot out of me. And I learned that's when I need to listen. And so I take one of those big, big weighty breaths, like, okay. Because if your God always agrees with you, it may not be God who's speaking to you. And if your God doesn't challenge you to do some things that are very uncomfortable, it may be your own voice that you're calling God. Real quickly, I heard the story recently, Mother Teresa, she was on a plane to go back to Calcutta. I think that's where she went. And she was telling her story to a man in the plane and he was so impressed. He was so impressed with the work she was doing. And you know, if you know any of her history, she didn't have a whole lot of money to do it. She was just doing it from love. And this man pulls out a checkbook. He writes a $150,000 check to her and says, here. She says, thank you. She gives it back to him. She says, that didn't hurt enough. Then he took his checkbook out and wrote a $500,000 check. Our voice, our God, works within our comfort zone. The God works outside of our comfort zone and is going to require a little pain. So let's stand up. I want to pray over you. Because a walk with God should cost something. So, Father, we, we just want to practice this art of preparing, and we repent. We repent for the sins, and whatever, whatever he's highlighting to you right now, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you, yes, I repent of that. You're right. Lord, I did that. I should not have done that. Lord, I desire your will, not my will. I'm repenting, and Lord, help me to refocus this week. Help me to refocus on your word and your presence. And Lord, help me to refocus on what you're saying. And Lord, revive me. Revive me, Lord. Create a new intimacy and a, and a sensitivity to your voice and a passion to be in your presence. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get an amen? Come on.